We're starting out in Titus today. Um, I do have hands out, handouts. I should probably hand them out. This actually is oftentimes my favorite lesson in a new study uh, because it's all background. A lot of it is background. Why, why are we studying it? Who is this guy? Um, what is this book? Where, where does it sit in the Bible? Uh, and, and the like. So I posed a question to you last week as we were ending, and I will pose it to you again. How many times do we find Titus spoken of in the book of Acts? I know you were looking. You were flipping pages. Seriously. Any guesses? Ten, ten or less. Ten or more. Who thinks, who thinks ten or less? Who thinks ten or more? Who has no opinion? Did anybody do a word search? Anybody do a word search? You will find Titus not at all in Acts. Interesting. And it's going to be really interesting as we look, because we see Titus is fairly prominent uh, in Paul's ministry. And so ultimately that's to where we are going to turn right now. The rest of what we are going to learn about Titus, we glean from Paul's letters. We glean from the epistles themselves where Paul speaks of Titus. Why didn't Luke speak of him at all? I don't know. Because we are going to see that the events where Titus's name surfaces are during Paul's missionary journeys. Here, so uh, first place we are going to turn, David, would you turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And read verses 1 through 5. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem and Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because a false brother secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Okay. So from this passage, we learn that Titus is a what? Greek. Greek. Which means what in that time frame and in that culture and in this particular situation going up to Jerusalem with him? Well, it around the time of the Roman Empire and the Romans did worship just a little bit different, the Greek gods, kind of a different Okay, Greek way. gods, Roman gods, different names there. But we've seen there. Yeah, okay, filthy pig, because he's a what? Gentile. Gentile. He's a Gentile. He's a Greek Gentile, and the issue of circumcision came up. It wasn't like, he wasn't even a proselyte there, like a Greek who now follows Jewish custom. He wasn't even one of those. He was a Gentile who had obviously come to Christ. 
and was following hard after Christ. And so he goes up. The, the situation there in Galatians chapter 2 takes place in about Acts 15. We believe that it's in conjunction with what is referred to as the, uh, the Jerusalem Council, which was the, the key Gentile controversy within the church. What do we do with the Gentiles? Are they supposed to be circumcised? What? And ultimately, the, out of the Jerusalem council came, no. No. They ought, there ought not be a compulsion for them to be circumcised. Uh, we exhort you simply to avoid sexual immorality and uh, food offered idols. No. Uh, so that was, that was, those were the only stipulations, really, that came out of the Jerusalem council. So we see that, that Titus is a Gentile um, and a believer. Now, the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15, you go, where does this fit on a timeline? And before Acts 15 is what? Acts 14. Yes, very good. <laughs> Straight man. Acts 13 and 14 are there. What's in Acts 13 and 14? And it's Paul's first missionary journey. Okay, going into Acts 15. God bless you. And Paul's first missionary journey is only into Turkey. Asia Minor here. So Jerusalem, way down here. Uh, the church that is in Antioch, here's the Mediterranean Sea, I know this is kind of hard to see, church in Antioch, and this is where they go out on their first missionary journey, and they simply go over into Cyprus, and then up here, Lystra, Iconium, Derby, and essentially backtrack away and come back to Antioch, it only extended this far, and just by way of a ruler, so you can kind of have a scale of distance, this is 300 miles right there from here to here. So span, it's about 300 miles from Jerusalem on up to Antioch. That would be like walking to Wichita, Kansas. It's exactly 299 miles up Interstate uh, 44, 35 to get there. So how many days is that going to take you? That's going to take you a while. So when, they, when, when we see that they went from Antioch to Jerusalem for the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, you go, oh, okay. It's 300 miles they walked to get there. So fairly, fairly significant um, for them to make that uh, trek. Uh, we see also here that Paul and Barnabas are still together. They had not yet split. And uh, that happens um, uh, right prior to their next missionary journey. So where did, where did Titus come from? We don't know. Was he from Lister? Was he from Derby? Ah, there's not even anything in the early church fathers to give us a hint as to you know, from whence he came. But we can maybe assume that during one of these missionary journeys, he was a convert and ultimately began to follow after Paul. Now, during that third missionary journey, um, 
during the third missionary journey, we're going to see Paul speak of Titus's ministry uh, in in great detail in in a couple of well, not a couple, yeah, a couple of places. At primarily Second uh, Corinthians. Go ahead and flip over to Second Corinthians, right now, um, chapter two. During Paul's third missionary journey, he is in Ephesus for two years. Two years in Ephesus, Ephesus on the far west coast of Asia, up there, I'll just leave it on, far west coast of Asia, and, I got to speak to it. So he's in Ephesus right here. Corinth is across the Aegean Sea. So if you want to get to Corinth uh, from Ephesus, you're going to walk a long way or you're going to go by boat, and that's going to cost you money uh, there. Um, While Paul is in Ephesus, he had been to Corinth on his second missionary journey, and that's when the church was birthed. Okay, while Paul was down in Corinth. Well, things had started to burble up in the church. Uh, if you read through First and Second Corinthians, man, it's, it's, it's a church that's dealing with a lot. Dealing with a lot of stuff. A lot of issues. Uh, and they begin to attack Paul in the second letter. So Paul is hearing a lot of this while he's over here. He's catching word of what is going on. And so what happens uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, Kara, would you read 12 through 13, please? When I came to Tros to preach the gospel of Christ, even through a door, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Okay. As Paul's missionary journey or as, as his time in Ephesus comes to a close, he moves up into Troas, and ultimately he's going to have to take a boat somehow, some way, to get across uh, the straits over there. Um, and he's trying to get word from Titus, who he had sent to Corinth. But he hadn't found him. If I know a church is in turmoil, is having issues, who am I going to send to help straighten it out? Okay, so if, if, if we are talking, speaking of a church in particular, what kind of qualities must this man have? Okay, which would be what? Uh, okay, a pastor. That's a churchy word. Okay. Well, we're, we're actually, in Titus, we're actually going to go through it as well because he lists the qualifications for an overseer. But somebody who's above reproach, somebody of, of character, 
Um, what are some other things that come to mind when you think of the qualifications for a pastor? A learned man. Okay. Clueless. Learned in what? The word. Learned in the word. Okay, he's got a strong foundation in the word. Not only does he have a strong foundation in the word. Okay. He is able to teach. He's able to teach. I mean, there are, there are a lot of people who really, 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 really know the word, but either A, don't want to, or B, can't. You know, that's that's not, not either a skill they've practiced or a gift they've been given uh, by the Holy Spirit. So Paul stops in Troas, um, actually at the end of the third missionary journey on the way back, he stops into Troas again, and very likely because God had given him an opportunity in the gospel. So he had gone from Ephesus to Troas, and God says here in 2 Corinthians, has opened the door to the gospel, but I, Titus isn't here. And he's like, what is going on in Corinth? It's like, you, you know the house is burning down over there, and I want to get there. But things are getting in your way as you're trying to get there. And your focus is down there while you're trying to talk to somebody else over here. And Paul's trying to get down here to find out what's going on. And he's expecting Titus to come back, and Titus isn't coming back. And so he goes from Troas over into Macedonia, okay? Uh, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, up over in there, and hoping to travel on down and meet Titus up somewhere along the way as he's going from church to church. Um, it's, in, it's in Troas in Acts chapter 20 at the end of the third missionary journey that Eutychus falls out of the window. Okay, snoozing in the window, falls out and dies. Flannel grass when you're a kid. Um, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And Stephanie, would you read 5 through 7, please? Okay, so in Macedonia, Paul finally meets up with Titus. And what does he get? What does he hear from Titus? Okay. Okay, good. Okay. Good. Why would they be mourning? Okay. So if I am 
in sin, if I am doing something amiss, and you tell me, you bring it to my attention, you take me aside and say, Keith, uh, you know, these things have been coming to light. How am I going to take that? How could I take that? That's my problem. Yeah, okay. I take care. Yeah. I'm an American. Get out of my face. That could be one way. Is that the church way? Depends on the church. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's hope not. That ought not be the way. You know, as, as God, the Holy Spirit, indwells each one and gifts each one for the mutual edification and building up of the Spirit, we are thereby a body. And so if my leg goes, oh dude, I'm in pain, stop running on me, then the rest of the body ignores that, you know, the leg's going to finally, finally give way. And so, you know, the leg's going to the other leg, hey, why don't you stop this? If the other leg ignores it, then there's going to be pain within the body. And so when one of us comes to another, then we have to hear in the humility of the spirit, because in the flesh we're going to go, no, no, we're going to pull out the American card and ignore the person. We can't do that. So I have to hear. And it would appear from Titus that with regard to some of the issues, there was a change in their heart. Okay? Uh, notice also that Titus was comforted by them. Okay? That might be spiritually comforted. It may be also uh, with regard to provision for him. And ultimately, this brought Paul joy. He continues on. We're going to jump down to 13. Uh, 13 through 15. Uh, Sue, would you mind reading that, please? Therefore, we are comforted, and besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For whatever boast I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proven, proved true. And his affection for you is even greater, as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you rejoiced with him, rejoice, oh, sorry, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have perfect confidence in you. Good, good. So, there's some things to, to take away about Titus's character here. He is rejoicing. What is he rejoicing in? So Titus comes to Paul, and he's okay. Do we care about such things? You know, who's going to care about such things? Hopefully somebody who cares about things of God. 
If I care about things of God in my own life and in the church, therefore I'm going to care about things of God with regard to you. And when I see good things that God is doing in your life, that should bring me joy. We rejoice with one another in what God is doing in our lives. At the same time, I should be burdened. When I see you stumbling, when I see you giving in to sin or giving in to the flesh, I should. And so... Because we see this in Titus's life, we can infer that he is mature in his relationship with God as he sees these kind of things. Well, I mean, they said, and when he came, you, you received him with fear and trembling. So they were all like, yeah, we did something wrong. Obviously, had some sort of. They knew who he was. Good. You know, and he came at the behest of Paul. Again, we we can't. This was the, the the Corinthian church was no small church. It was a significant church in a significant city with significant issues, and Paul sends Titus. That tells us a lot. I mean, right there, that, that simple nugget should tell us a lot about Titus and ultimately his qualifications, which again begs the question, why don't we hear about him in Acts? Don't know. Don't know. Um, continuing on in, in 2 Corinthians, just to see uh, Paul's trust of, of this man. Uh, Vinny, would you read uh, chapter 8? of 2 Corinthians, still in 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. Chapter 8, 1 through 6? Yep. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that he had started. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, uh, probably, probably one of the greatest passages to focus on giving. You know, giving in the church. So if you're wondering, ah, you know, how, how should I be giving in the church? Second Corinthians 8 and 9, 1 Timothy 6. Great, great passages on giving. And our attitudes toward that. Lots of others. Go to the Proverbs. Sit in the Proverbs for a month. Uh, there. But here we see that that this urging for giving 
had had been taking place in, in Macedonia. They they were they were la- they didn't have anything, and they were giving beyond their means. But it appears that Titus had spurred in the Corinthian church a heart toward giving also. You know, notice how it specifically says, uh, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So hopefully Titus, again, part of the things entrusted by Paul is, hey, have them continue on what they had said that they were going to do. Uh, turn the page over to verse, uh, let me just turn the page. Later on in the chapter, verse 16, but thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. Again, wow. You know, Paul's got a great burden for his churches, for the churches that he started, the churches of Christ, not his churches, the churches of Christ, and Titus has that same burden. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother, who is famous among all the churches, for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters. And we don't know who that is. Don't know. Why he just calls him that brother, this mysterious nameless brother, I don't know. It's not Titus, though. Because he mentions Titus again here in a moment. Um, Sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. I mean... So a fairly extensive passage, but we see in Titus this motivation to go. It seems that Paul, they've met up in Macedonia. Paul seems to be loitering for a time, and he sends Titus like right back to continue this work of ministry there. So a number of passages just to point out that Titus to Paul was a faithful, effective, and mature worker for the sake of the gospel, pastoral, uh, exhortational, uh, one who is able to teach. We're still not in Titus yet. I'm going to ask you to turn to 2 Timothy, and we're going to skip to the very end of Paul's life. This, this is the last writing of Paul. It is Likely a matter of weeks, maybe even less, uh, from the time that he put pen to parchment here uh, after which he was executed. Um, 
2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. Uh, I'll do it. Names. Do your best to come to me soon. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy also a pastor. Hence, Timothy and Titus are referred to as the pastoral epistles. Sneaky. Do your best to come to me soon, he's saying to Timothy. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Okay. In that statement, is that an indictment against Titus? No. No. Could it be read that way? Yeah, it could be if we're not careful, because, you know, the fact that others have gone, we, we have Demas has deserted Paul and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. But Paul doesn't tie the two together. Okay, and so it would be wrong for us to infer that Cretans or Crescans, or however you pronounce that guy, uh, was a deserter too. That would be an unfair indictment, and we don't get that elsewhere. And Titus to Dalmatia. Why would they have gone to these places? For ministry. You ever heard of Dalmatia before? Never. 101 of them. Okay? Yeah, but that's where it comes from comes from Dalmatia. Dalmatia is, if you, go over here. Um, up here, what we would call former Yugoslavia. So if we go north out of Macedonia on the eastern, northeastern side of the Adriatic Sea, that would be Dalmatia. Okay, so up in Croatia, Serbia, areas today, way, way up there. So that's where Titus had gone at the end of Paul's life. Very likely for work of ministry up there. What happened after that? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So let me, let's just take a, a moment and just kind of take some excerpts from what we hear about Titus up to this point. And, and just some things to ponder. Um... How excited, I mean, how excited was Titus for work of ministry? Did it appear? Very. Yeah. Of his own accord. Okay. Uh, Emily's going to go play tennis. Ball's back in your court. How excited are you? How excited are you for work of ministry? You know, for what? It, it, I mean, it's. I bet you Titus had a bunch of grunt work to do as they are going in their travels. You know, somebody's got to go get the food. Somebody's got to prepare the food uh, along the way. Go, go make accommodations. 
I mean, if Paul, if Paul is sending him, the sender, t- or the one who's getting sent, typically has a lot of work to do. It's probably not all, all rock star work. You know, it's roadie work. It's putting the amps up. It's plugging everything in, making sure all the wires are in the right place. Okay, it's grunt work. There, it's foundation laying. It's not seeing the house completed. And what did Titus think of that work? What is the impression we get? Yeah, he's he's Paul's fellow worker. You know, he's Paul's fellow worker. Paul looks at him almost as an equal. And we look at Paul, and Paul is sold out. How excited am I for the work of ministry? Titus is obviously gifted. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are gifted by the Holy Spirit, not for yourself. You are gifted for me. And I for you. I need you to use your gifts, please, for my sake in Christ. We need to function as a body. So as Titus was gifted, he ministered those gifts all over the Mediterranean. How motivated are we to use our gifts? I don't know what they are. We'll help you find out. You know, really, the best thing to do to figure out where you're gifted is to simply labor in the church. Labor in the church. Doing what? Yes. And you may find, I really liked that. I didn't think I would. I'm going to volunteer for... Whatever, X, Y, or Z. How excited are you for the work of ministry? How motivated are we to use the gifts of God? How ravenous are we to do whatever God calls us to do, knowing how much it will please Him? Am I eager to please my Lord? Because all of these things will Bring great pleasure to the Lord who has done these things in us for his glory. All right, Titus, turn. Jeremy, would you read Titus 1, 1 to 4? God and apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God who never lies promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus my true child and a common faith grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior okay flip back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
It's right, so it's the book right before it. So it's like two pages. Second Timothy chapter 1, Titus chapter 1. Look at the size of the greeting in Second Timothy. Small. Compared to Titus. Okay. Paul puts a whole bunch of theology here in this greeting to Titus. Okay. Um, it is, it is, it's a, it's a fairly standard format. Okay. It's the standard format. The standard format is I'm signing it up front, Paul, so you don't have to unroll the scroll to the end. He can go, okay, let's just take it from the top and kind of keep it nice and tight. So it's from Paul. To whomever, grace and peace from the Lord. Okay, so there's the format. This one is, is chunkier. I mean, it's, 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 an, it's an incredible uh, greeting that he gives. So we're going we're gonna to just go through this here in our remaining time and look at Paul's greeting. Paul, a servant of God. Common in his greetings. What is, what is implied in that word servant? Willing servitude. Yes. It is a willing servant. It is a bond servant. It's a doulos. Okay, it's the guy who put his ear to the door to go, hey, I'm willing to, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be your servant. I like you. I want to serve you. I'm not doing it begrudgingly. I'm not doing it because I don't want to. I want to be here. Okay, when we think servant and slavery, we go, okay. What, what Paul, this, this is, uh, again, a, a, it wasn't an uncommon thing in that era to be a doulos, okay, one who is willing to, I want to I serve you. I like my master. I like the one who is the master over me, my boss. There. But he's not only a servant of God, he is a, what? An apostle. He's an apostle. What is an apostle? Another word for apostle. Messenger. Yes. He's a messenger. Uh, a messenger of Jesus Christ. He's a messenger of Jesus Christ. Uh, was Titus an apostle? Depends what you mean. Good. <laughs> Fighter pilot answer any question is it depends. Okay. Yeah. So in that sense, he is a, he's a messenger. He's not a capital A apostle like we think of the 12. Okay, Timothy's not, but Paul is. Paul is. What made these guys apostles? They walked and talked with Jesus. They walked and talked with Jesus. Okay, they walked and talked with Jesus. They were witnesses of him, but there were a lot of people that Walked and talked with Jesus. They were commissioned. Yep. By whom? By Christ. Yes. They were picked by Christ for this purpose to be his apostles. Okay. The apostolic ministry ended when? 
when they die. Not according to the Mormon church. We don't have time, but you need to have an argument for that. You go, uh, why are there not apostles today? Okay, we'll set that aside. We can talk about it later. Um, now, does Timothy know, or does Titus know that Paul is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ? And a bondservant. Yes. Then why bother including it? Because he probably knows other people are going to read the letter. Correct answer. What were you going to say? I said, so we can read it. Yes, absolutely. There were letters to the body, the church body, to be read by all. This one was written to Titus. And expected to be read by all. This wasn't written to the church at, and we're not there yet. He could have done that, but he didn't. He wrote this specifically to a young pastor. And I won't say a young pastor, because we don't know that Titus was young. There, Timothy, we believe, was young, and for reasons... You know, we're not going through Timothy right now, but it states specifically that no one looked down upon him for his youth. But we don't know about that, that about Titus. He could have been older like me. Um, but other people were going to read this and be expected to read it. And so this isn't just a letter. This is an apostolic letter. And so we go, well, we, we pay it more heed. The intention of Paul's ministry in verse 1. What is, Paul is a servant of God to what end? It is for the sake of God's elect. Paul is a servant and an apostle, not for himself, it is not for himself. He's not, he, you know, he doesn't walk around going, I'm, a, I'm an apostle, kiss my ring. You know, he doesn't do that. It is not for him. It is not for his glory. It is for the sake of God's elect. We see in that just a power of God unto salvation. It is God who elects, foreordains. It is God who grafts us into a church for the sake of the faith of God's elect, for their faith. How does one have faith? How does one come to have faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How are they going to hear unless there is a preacher, preacher, someone to take them. I mean, now, just Google it. You know, if you don't have a Bible, just download the app. But still, who is apt simply to pick up the Bible? unless there is one who puts that germ or seed in their mind or heart 
for the sake of their faith. And what? For the sake of the faith and their what? Okay. There is a truth. Let me rephrase that. There is the truth. The truth accords with God and his revelation. This was Paul's burden. Their faith and the proclamation of the truth, those things go hand in hand. There is no faith apart from the truth. You are just believing in fairy tales, gods in your own image. And there is no godliness apart from this. You know, he is an apostle for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. And this bolsters the hope of eternal life. The surety of eternal life. How do I know I am saved? Well, I got a tattoo on my wrist that says I'm saved. I don't. That's meaningless. Well, we got plaques up in our house that say I'm saved. Meaningless. So I come to church every Sunday. Meaningless. That's where it says I'm saved. And I know what took place in here, what he did in here. We're talking about persevering on Saturday with the guys. You know. Do I have to persevere to be saved? Yes. If I'm saved, will I persevere? Yes. Yes. Accords with godliness. But we see God's got a purpose in this. In the hope of eternal life, which God who never lies. Isn't that a great description of God? God who never lies. God who never lies. God who never lies. The entirety of your word is truth. Psalm 119, 160. The entirety of your word is truth. True or false. That statement is either absolutely true or absolutely false. If it's false at one point, it's a false statement. You can't say the entirety of your word is truth. And if that's the case, if we believe that all scripture is God-breathed, you have just called God a liar. Huge declaration. God who never lies. He promised this before the ages began. And at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God. Eternal life before promised it before the ages began 
When? When's that? Before the ages began. When is that? Okay. So God promised. He promises to whom? Don't you make a promise to somebody? Whom there is no, no being greater than he, he promised to himself. Yes. A promise within the triunity of God. We see this fleshed out also in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed... Oh. You know, Paul starts off, he tees it up and just crushes it down the fairway. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we here today should be holy and blameless before him. In love, before the foundation of the world, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Is that true only of Jeremiah? true of you he knew you he knew you where where you'd be sitting this morning and he knew the purpose that he would have for you in eternal life Um, i don't want to gloss over the rest of this here it is it is a rich introduction we will conclude next week the introduction and we will start looking at Uh, the qualifications for elders and what is meant by an elder seer, an overseer, a bishop, an episcopos, all those things. We'll look at that. And I would like you to consider why are we going to bother spending weeks here in this Sunday school class on a letter that's written to a pastor why? Why are we going to look at something written to a pastor when most of you can't be? And the other most of you won't be. So why bother? So think about it. Any thoughts? Any thoughts and questions so far on Titus's identity or uh, the start of Paul's greeting? Good.